0: Welcome to another edition of NFL Game Time podcast. With your host, I'm Alex Herbenson
1: and I'm Shy Duarte.
0: The NFL regular season is coming to a close as we are now just 2 weeks away from playoff football. Shy, we'll be breaking down each and every game as teams are clinching playoff spots at each and every week. So we'll kind of break down how each matchup possibly affects the playoff picture and so much more. So Shy, let's get right into it because it's Game time. time. So we'll start with a matchup that really more so affects the draft order than the actual playoff picture, and that being the New York Giants taking on the Chicago Bears. The Giants actually own both first-round picks in this matchup, both their own first-round pick, and then they also own the Bears' first-round pick. I would probably pick the Giants here if Daniel Jones... We're playing in this game. I think there's kind of this rift of, as we've seen the last few weeks, is Jones, should we be saying, you know, poor Daniel Jones, or is he part of the problem? And I think there's probably a mix of that, right? I feel Daniel Jones is probably in one of the worst situations a quarterback can be in in the NFL. Really poor offensive line. Play calling, not very innovative, not putting players around Jones and Jones himself in a position to succeed at the same time Jones still turning the ball over still you know having trouble when it comes to sometimes seeing the whole field progressing you know going through his progressions so it's probably a mix of Jones is not doing himself any favors and probably is part of the problem at the same time The Giants haven't really helped him much either, especially when you look at the last couple years under Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens, and then Joe Judge, the head coach. So I think it is a mix of Jones isn't the solution, but the Giants haven't helped him out either. Both Bears coming off a big win, obviously not in terms of maybe their record, but just a nice confidence building win over the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. This is probably the last two games Matt Nagy will coach for the Chicago Bears. I'm going to take the Bears mainly just because the Giants as we've seen with Jake Fromm, as we've seen with Mike Glennon over these last few weeks, they probably have the worst quarterback situation or excuse me, worst backup quarterback situation in the NFL. So you you're taking the Giants or the
1: Bears? I'm
0: taking I'm taking the Bears. Sorry. I'm taking the Bears, mainly when you look at it, when you look at backup quarterback situations, it doesn't get much worse, as, especially with what we saw last week against Philadelphia. It doesn't get much worse than what the Giants have right now in Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to take the Bears as well. You know, in, in Soldier Field, uh, I think the cold, the cold weather is, is, is going to help. I know the Giants play at MetLife and get pretty chilly there. But I think... We're seeing some, some promising signs. You always mention to me you know, how many sacks Robert Quinn has.
0: Yeah, uh, Robert Quinn has 17 sacks. And to put that in perspective, the only player in the NFL that has more sacks than Robert Quinn is T.J. Watt, who has half a sack more at 17 and a half. So I, I'm not going to say Robert Quinn should win defensive player of the year, but I really don't think we're talking about Robert Quinn as this dominant defender like he's been this year really because you know cleo max missed most of the year the bears have had a very disappointing season but robert Quinn is playing like he like he really did a few years ago when he was in his prime
1: yeah if they if they line him up on that right side you could have even more alex
0: Yes, yes, I think the Bears would be smart to line him up on the right side, whoever's playing right tackle for the Giants, because Andrew Thomas on the left side has held his own. He has had a very good year. Unfortunately for New York, that's kind of been their only bright spot on the entire offensive side of the ball. It's funny, because I feel like you've always been rooting for the Bears to
1: lose. Now they play the Giants. You know, the way the draft order works, I mean... You're, you're winning, but you're also you're also kind of losing here is both the Giants and the Bears can't lose this week.
0: Yeah, I think with the with the Bears beating Seattle, that pick for the Giants did fall a little. Essentially, I don't think they're gonna get any higher than fifth overall unless there's a major upset within the next two weeks. The Giants are probably gonna finish with top two top ten picks, which in a normal year sounds great. Unfortunately, what you hear is this is not the best draft to have a top ten pick
1: well i'll be i'll be i'll be i'll be uh crossing my fingers for that a top five scenario for you alex i'm gonna go with the bears as well i think we're both taking chicago at home to beat alex's giants we'll move on to another new york team hosting the atlanta falcons coming in in the buffalo bills bills alex they just kind of went out uh i mean They can technically still win by just winning one of these games, but they play Falcons this week and then Jets, I believe, next week. A manageable schedule for them. How do you see this game coming out?
0: Well, I think as you mentioned, we've kind of talked about ever since they lost to New England in their first matchup that these final games for the Bills have been very favorable. Obviously, last week's game against the Patriots was by far their toughest game, and they took care of business, winning by multiple scores. So the Bills do have a very easy two game stretch to close out the regular season. Against the Falcons, you know, they barely beat the Lions. It was a competitive game. Falcons have been able to have they've just been really super inconsistent. They've been able to squeak out some wins here throughout the regular season. I mean, they're they're only seven and eight, which isn't terrible. I mean, again, if they can win if they do pull off the upset their five hundred as you mentioned, though, they're used to playing in an indoor stadium, and this game is in Buffalo, as you said. So obviously the conditions are going to be a lot different. I think the Bills are more, I don't want to say reliant, but open to being a more physical team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, running the football, not, a, not at a high rate, but I think more so than they were comfortable doing just a few weeks ago. I think Josh Allen played one of his best games Really maybe over the course of his career last week against the Patriots we really saw prime Josh Allen showing off the arm talent that we already knew he had making all sorts of throws yes sometimes the ball was put in harm's way but it was also yet yeah, that accuracy that plagued Josh Allen earlier in his career it really showed the improvement that he's made against you know throughout his throughout his so far short career so, really, Josh Allen has just really progressed, and I think this Bills' offense, although it's not going to all of a sudden be a ground-and-pound team, I think they're more open to running the ball, and again, this is just a way more talented team than the Atlanta Falcons, who have to travel to a tough environment this week.
1: Yeah, I would say this would be a trap game if this was in Atlanta. I think their offense you know, has been explosive this season. Matt Ryan, as I said last week, playing really good football. Still, in my opinion. But, yeah, it's in a hostile environment uh, in Buffalo. We're not quite uh, in January yet, but we will be when this game occurs. Um, so, I guess, happy uh, early New Year's to everyone.
0: Um things will think, probably will probably enjoy it by jumping through tables that are also on fire.
1: Right. I mean, that, that sounds like the Bills Mafia for you. Um, anyway, I think I do agree this these two lighter games do seem like a really good opportunity for Buffalo to get more physical, to be able to establish themselves as a team that can run the ball against weaker teams in the trenches up front. And that way you can kind of carry that momentum rushing for you know over 100 yards, um, et cetera, et cetera, into the postseason where you can feel comfortable doing that. And yes, we saw glimpses of Josh Allen's arm against the Patriots. He looked great. You're absolutely right um and i think after seeing that performance it's really hard not to think they're they're uh not going to close out the season strong and beat some teams that they're as you said are more talented than so i have the bills at home here um uh,
0: taking care of the falcons yeah and i i think bills are obviously in a great position locking to lock up their division and have at least one game at home in front of their Obviously, really passionate fan base. So, we both have the Bills beating the Falcons and taking care of business at home. So, Shot, this might be one of the more fun games on the Week 17 schedule. The Kansas City Chiefs, the red-hot Kansas City Chiefs, taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, where Joe Burrow is confident, to say the least. I feel like at this point, he's more, almost more cocky than confident. Uh, the way he's playing, the way the Bengals are playing. And I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win this game, but I think this is a more important game for the Bengals, not necessarily to win, but just to be competitive for Burrow to potentially go toe-to-toe with Mahomes because you look at the Bengals' season. Burrow's put up some great numbers, but he also is tied for the league lead in interceptions with 14. He's had dominant performances against the Steelers and Ravens. They've swept both those teams the Bengals have. On the other hand, they've lost to teams like the Bears, the Jets, the Browns. Not great performances against the Chargers where, you know, maybe if Jamar Chase doesn't have that bad drop, that ends up resulting in an interception. That game is different from a game script standpoint. But it does seem, you know, for every great performance that Burrow has, the Bengals sometimes do fall short on a separate occasion. So, you're as you kind of ride, you know, we always talk about momentum and how we've seen in the past, it's not always the best team that wins the Super Bowl, but it's often the hottest team. And I'm not obviously, you know, saying Cincy should be a favorite to win the Super Bowl or is one of the prime Super Bowl contenders, but I think how they finish this regular season, they definitely have the potential, especially if they win their division, to win one or potentially even two playoff games. And now you're going up against the class of the AFC, the team in the AFC that's kind of ruled the conference for the better part of the last two to three years in, in the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think it's a really important for the Bengals to show up, not beat themselves, make you know potentially force the Chiefs to make their own mistakes. And if, since he does lose this game, I think it's really important that since he A, were competitive, and B, again, did not beat themselves, that the Chiefs won just because they were the better team. Because, again, if you kind of put up another mediocre performance and all of a sudden maybe you don't ride into the postseason as hard as you thought you would, when you get that tough matchup against a team like the Colts or one of those teams in round one, it's going to be that much harder where, you know, if you have a great performance this week and another very good performance next week, even if you don't win this week, I think it's crucial for Cincinnati to be riding into the postseason, you know, as hot as, they, as hot as they were, I guess, coming out of last week, coming into this week, just because they are such a young and inexperienced team.
1: You talked about kind of their inconsistencies offensively. I feel like they've been even more inconsistent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I think that was the main surprise for me and for, I think, for us coming into this season. The fact that they've played so much higher than uh, their talent level might suggest, um, especially I think in the back end, you have guys like Eli Apple stepping up, playing well. Trey, so Hendrick- to-
0: Trey Hendrickson has 14 sacks this season. He's really shown that last year with the Saints was not a fluke. He's been tremendous for Cincinnati. You're
1: absolutely right. I mean, he he's been he's been great for them. You've got a. Uh, yeah, he, he, yeah he, he's been great for them. I think you have Larry Ogunjobi uh, in the middle, coming over from Cleveland last season. it has been really good for them on the interior. Um, Mike Hilton from Pittsburgh, also coming from inside the division, playing really well in the slot. So they, they have playmakers on that defense. Um, it's just about putting that together, having that staple of consistency because – it feels like, especially in the last few weeks, although they've been winning games, they're allowing 30, 20, high 20s consistently in, that, in the playoff atmosphere. That's going to be uh, something that's going to make it much harder to win these games in the cold, especially on the road. So you have the opportunity here to host the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to be looking for how are you? can you limit Mahomes? This is the ultimate test. Can you scheme something? Can you get pressure with four? How can you manufacture defensive stops? And I think that's going to be key for Cincinnati to have a chance to make that playoff run that I also think uh, they can make if they finish the season strong and hot. They don't have to win this game, but I think um, a strong performance can go a long way. I am going to take Kansas City, I think that they I, – I think we could be talking about them potentially not needing to play next week um, if they win this game. I think if things go right for them, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. Um.
0: Yeah, well, no. Well, So it, we'll talk about it, and this kind of will get into the next team. But if Tennessee wins and Kansas City – if Tennessee and Kansas City both win, there would be a game separating them, and Tennessee does hold the tiebreaker. So they would have – if ten, there's a possibility KC could rest, uh, but they would all they would need other help. They need to do more than just win. Okay, but
1: I I think Kansas City still needs this game. Um, they, they well want if they
0: if they don't win, as you know, we talked a lot about the Bengals losing out on that, on that on If that, they that. don't win this game, all of a sudden they do not control their own destiny uh, towards getting that one and only buy in the in their conference. Exactly.
1: City probably needs this game
0: just as much as Cincinnati. Um, I don't think Cincinnati pl- needs to win this game. I think they need to show that they're for real and can compete with a team like the Chiefs. But I think the Chiefs potentially might need to win this game more than the Bengals do. But when it comes to who's going to be more competitive, we know if the Chiefs have a bad game, I still have some comments that they can bounce back next week and bounce back for a playoff run. Cincy, I think, getting, I think winning that division is... And having momentum going into the playoffs is more important for them than for KC getting the two or three seed compared to the one seed. Because Chiefs are used to playing playoff football at home and even on the road. This is new to most of the Bengals' roster.
1: I I completely agree with that. I mean, you saw how they obliterated my Steelers last week. They ran the ball well, which many teams have been able to do against the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. Um, But... About running the ball well, playing good defense, which they were able to do, being disrupt, being disruptive, and I know Steve Spagnuolo is going to plan well and throw a lot of different looks at Joe Burrow, try to, you know, use his confidence against him. So that will be a, a, a cool matchup to watch. You know, one of the greater defensive coordinators in our game against, you know, hot, confident Joe Burrow. I think the Chiefs win that matchup. I think Mahomes still out-duels uh, the young, they're both so young, but kind of what feels like the young, quote unquote, young gun in, in, in Joe Burrow. I'm picking the Chiefs on the road
0: here, and I'm I'm picking the Chiefs too. But while we point out all the Bengals' flaws and inconsistencies, I think we should point out we kind of both thought the Bengals would finish last in this division, a team that was still probably a year away from making the playoffs, and now here they stand at nine and six, and in a prime position to win one of the more more competitive divisions. In the NFL, I know the Ravens have dealt with a lot of injuries and Browns had their COVID situation. But I think it's we should point out that the Bengals are really ahead of schedule when I think we evaluated them at the beginning of the season and when we kind of planned out their potential rebuild and how they get back to being relevant and a prime contender. They're ahead of schedule of how that rebuild, I think, was initially planned out. So I do think we need to give the Bengals credit towards... I don't think any of us thought they would be in this position in Joe Burrows. Really, this is his first full year, because remember, he tore his ACL last year. He really hasn't even played two full seasons. So it's really impressive to see where the Bengals are this early in the process.
1: I think you're absolutely right. Uh, give Zach Taylor, get guy coaching staff, all the credit in the world for having that team. They've been the best team in the AFC North. That's difficult, really difficult, especially you know second year. You know, if a quarterback coming off of injury, a makeshift offensive line, who has really played well this year, it's, it's certainly been impressive. I completely agree with you. Give them, the Bengals all the credit in the world, and, and they'll be there in the AFC North for
0: years to come. So we kind of talked about them a little while we were talking about the Chiefs, but now we are going to talk about those Tennessee Titans as they are hosting the Miami Dolphins. And shy, if the season ended today... This would be the first-round playoff matchup. The Titans taking on, hosting the Miami Dolphins. Right now, this would be actually the wild-card matchup. Now, a lot can and most likely will happen over these next two weeks. So there is a good chance that this matchup won't happen in the playoffs. But it's obviously a definite possibility. Dolphins, obviously, on a seven-game win streak, follow after... they. They, after going 1-0, they went on a seven-game losing streak, and now they're going on a seven-game winning streak. So the Dolphins, historically, might be the most streak. Talk, talk about teams that are streaky. I, I don't know if there's been any team more streaking than the Dolphins at, in potential history, let alone the 2021 NFL season.
1: I think that's right. It's really been remarkable watching this team you know, start to claw its way back. Uh, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they're right there in the playoff mix. I think their remaining schedule isn't favorable to them, uh, which is why, in all likelihood, it probably won't be a a first-round playoff matchup in the wild card. Um, And I think that's mainly because Tennessee is probably going to get this win this week. They're getting healthy. Um, Derrick Henry may not be back for this game, but he probably will come back for the postseason. A.J. Brown looked spectacular last week, um, making all kinds of of circus catches down the field. Uh, Him and Tannehill look back on track. Julio Jones not quite 100% healthy yet, or it's also possible they haven't used him um, in the same way. But this offense seems to be getting more explosive um, every, every week. I think I like the Titans to take care of business at home against the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins done a good job, but it feels like each game is a little bit too interesting um, to really count them in a conversation to beat a team like Tennessee on the road who are kind of feeling themselves right now um, after their big...
0: Uh, big win last week, and you look at you know some of their games: the Texans, the Jets, tw- the Jets twice, the Saints with their fourth string quarterback, the Giants with Mike Glennon, the Panthers. So you know they did beat the Ravens, which you know that's a, that's an impressive win. Being the Ravens, that's an impressive win. But for the majority of their seven game win streak, it has been against subpar teams teams that are struggling in a lot of cases backup quarterbacks so you know good for them for beating teams they probably should beat. but they, they have gone through a very easy part of their schedule and this is a big test this is a, probably the first real test for the Dolphins since that uh since that Ravens game where the Ravens weren't as banged up but they still also weren't 100% healthy so I'm gonna I am mean, gonna go with the Tennessee Titans at home. I think we really saw the impact of AJ Brown. You know, we all want to talk about Derrick Henry and how he should be an MVP candidate at least before he got injured. And when you know he goes out, they still win a few close games against competitive football teams. The Titans do, and then AJ Brown got injured, and we all know Julio Jones has been in and out of the lineup really this entire season. So you, you look and you kind of see, like, what's wrong with this Titans offense? They need Derrick Henry back. This offensive line, some of that's banged up, whether it's due to injuries or COVID. And I think we really saw A.J. Brown come back. They Ryan Tannehill has that number one receiver he can rely on. A big reason why I think we saw Tannehill kind of undergo that transformation when he struggled with the Miami Dolphins to now being... You know, a really good, or at least at the very least, serviceable quarterback with the Tennessee Titans. So I really think the impact of A.J. Brown, kind of that first half against San Francisco, getting his feet under him, got his feet wet, got back in the feel of things, and then we really saw him take off in the second half of that Thursday night game. So I think the impact of A.J. Brown, I think that's going to continue. I think Tannehill and Brown are going to continue to kind of get in their groove get everything kind of back in terms of just getting that rhythm down. And I think that uh, that duo is going to continue and really start to take off as the Titans enter the postseason. So I think it's great to see what Miami has done. But you do look at their schedule these last seven games. They faced a lot of subpar opponents, opponents that would be picking near or at the top of the draft. And I think you do have to take that into consideration when looking at how the Dolphins got to this point. So I'm I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans. I think it will be a close game. I think the Dolphins are going to play competitively. I think they're going to make this a a competitive close game. But I I like the Titans in this one. I think they take care of business and move one step closer. Now, shy as we were talking about right now, they're one game back of the Chiefs and they hold the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. So that's the, if they win out. Although the Chiefs still control their own destiny. The Chiefs would also need to win out to still hold that number one seed and only buy in the AFC. That that that's right, Alex. So a pivotal
1: game, I think, for both both of these teams. Um, I I already picked Tennessee. Uh, you and, and are you, are you right. you're going with them as well. Alex? Yes, yes.
0: No, I'm I'm going with the Titans to take your business. Now, yet I mean that game obviously has huge playoff implications because right now the Dolphins. They have that seven seed, but they're really holding on to it for dear life. A team that's right on the doorstep is the Las Vegas Raiders, who right now, they're also 8-7, and they take on the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I feel like we think of these two teams as completely almost on opposite ends. One team is, you know, they're in the hunt, but how much are they really in the playoff picture in the Raiders? And meanwhile, it seems like the Indianapolis Colts almost have everything locked up the way they've been playing but you look at it, the Raiders are 8-7. The Colts are 9-6. And, and if the Raiders win this game, that means the Raiders would actually have the tiebreaker and leapfrog the Colts in the playoff picture. So this game might be one of the most important games just because of the implications it has for both teams, that obviously if the Colts win, it probably it pretty much puts the Raiders away. But if the Raiders win, all of a sudden the Raiders actually are ahead of the Colts because that means they would also win the tiebreaker. For me, this all hinges on Carson Wentz. And I know we like to talk about the offensive line, and we definitely should. Their offensive line is dominant, very good run game. When they're healthy, they have one of the better defenses in the NFL. And because this team is so well-rounded, we love to talk about every part of it, except for really Carson Wentz. And when we talk about Carson Wentz, we always talk about how he benefits from a great offensive line, how he benefits from a very good defense and a very good running game, and how the Colts potentially could win without him. I think we need to look back on that Cardinals game. And I'm not saying the Rares are as good as the Cardinals or the Cardinals are better. I'm not saying who's better. That's a different conversation. But throughout that game... The Cardinals were able to stop the run at at some points throughout that matchup, and there were some crucial red zone and third down uh opportunities that presented Indianapolis where the pressure relied on Carson Wentz to convert. And throughout the game, he proved he was more than able to, including an unbelievable touchdown throw near the end to really seal the deal for Indianapolis, where you look at that, the arm talent that once, kind of presented on that throw, and you really look and say there's not many, there's probably only a handful, if that, if that, quarterbacks that can make that type of play. So I think, yes, the running game and the offensive line and defense, they deserve all the credit that they've gotten. But at the same time, when the Colts needed Carson Wentz to make plays against a good opponent last week, Carson Wentz stepped up to the occasion Something that I don't think we can really say about Sam Ellinger. So, absolutely yeah. So, against a good opponent, the Raiders—they're not great, but they're a good solid opponent. There's a reason why they're in this position, above 500, still in the playoff picture. Against a good opponent in the Las in the Las Vegas Raiders, who even against a tough defense like the Colts, they have a good offense. They, I think, they'll be able to put up point. They should be able to put up points. I think a lot's going to ride on Carson Wentz, and I know the Raiders don't have a great run defense. But with Sam Ellinger back there, they might put eight or nine in the box <laughs> if if there's no Carson Wentz. So I think Carson Wentz, a lot. this game will hinge on if he plays or not. Now, obviously, with the NFL reducing the COVID protocols, players only have to isolate for five days compared to ten days. So initially, Wentz was ruled out completely. Now he definitely has a chance. So if Wentz plays in this game, I'm going to pick the Colts to win. Mainly because of what I saw against the Cardinals and how he was able to convert in big moments on third down and in the red zone, if it's Sam Ellinger back there, I don't have that confidence and i and I would pick the Raiders
1: i think'm I'm, I'm going to hop on that chip with you uh, I'm kind of at the point where I'm not have a lot of faith in throwing these young inexperienced quarterbacks out to the wolves, even if they're surrounded by you know pretty good situations and I think the you know, Exhibit A is Ian Book. We saw what happened with him thrown into the fire, uh, you know, against Miami. You know, a, an opponent that isn't manageable for this New Orleans Saints team. They have a good offensive line. They have a good defense. Second play of the game, throws a pick six, um, and I think that kind of summarizes the struggles uh, that young quarterbacks have had this year. You know, later round, first second year quarterbacks. Having to step in and for veterans, even when they're placed in, you know, semi good situations, pretty good situations. I think in that vein, I'm gonna say that the Colts can keep this close without Carson Wentz, but I think the Raiders will be able to outduel them. And as you said, put eight or nine in the box, dare a guy like Sam Ellinger to hitch you where it hurts. And I just don't think that we've seen enough uh, from him, from other you know younger guys, for me to have faith, for you know maybe the Colts to have faith in that uh, coming into this week. So if they're going to lean on that offensive line. They're going to lean on that defense. There's a reason why Matt Eberflus is getting head coaching inter- uh, interview requests because he's coached up uh, a top tier defense, probably a defense that's playing better than maybe the talent level on that roster suggests for the past few years. And it's a reason, you know, why they've been in contention. I think, so, I, I think I'm going to take the, the Colts, uh, assuming Carson Wentz wins. Otherwise, I think it's a close game. But I just trust Derek Carr. I trust the game plan of the of the Raiders' defense to, I know they been, haven't been great this year, but I trust them to be able to limit a Colts offense uh, to, a, to a greater extent if Sam Ellinger is the quarterback for
0: the Colts. Right, and you do see the offensive line, guys like Quentin Nelson, they did get activated off the COVID list. Same with some of the defensive players, Darius Leonard. So they are getting healthier. I'm, I'm going to lean towards picking the call just straight up because I think Carson Wentz does play in this game with the revised protocols. But again, if that changes, I would. And again, we don't know. It's Thursday right now. We don't know exactly. But if you know news does change and Wentz is ruled out for this game, I would pick the Raiders in a game that's, when you look at the playoff implications, that doesn't rely on any outside uh, results happening. This might be the biggest game of the week.
1: It, it very well could be, you know, loads of, of wild card implications all over this game. If the Raiders win here, they can put themselves in prime position to potentially get a wild card spot, Alex, which is something that I don't think either of us would have expected just a couple weeks ago.
0: Right, especially with the the way they were kind of falling, free-falling. And also, Rick Passaccia trying to make a case for himself to be the permanent head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So now let's go another playoff team, the New England Patriots, in that wild-card chase, that wild-card hunt. Hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is really a really get-right game for the Patriots. A couple of bad losses against the Colts and against their division rival, Bills. Everyone who was kind of riding high on the Patriots after earlier when they were beating teams like the Titans, Browns, and the Bills before, have kind of cooled off. It seems like all of the attention to the Patriots and you know all that you know could they make a could they make a Super Bowl run? All that has kind of cooled off these last couple games, and I think that's fair. At the same time, Mac Jones hasn't played well, so it's also not really recent. Some of it's recency bias, but I think we're also seeing. Some of the rookie uh, play in Mac Jones kind of put itself on display when he does face some tougher opponents, when other teams are playing the run better, when he's falling behind and he does have to throw the ball 30-plus times a game when they need to put up 28-plus points because they have to. I think we're seeing some of the rookie mistakes and just play by Mac Jones present itself. And I think that's okay. I think... We have to remember that Mac Jones is a rookie that he you know ha- he's he's a rookie, and sometimes we can get caught up in all of the you know in all of the play that he you know that because he was playing so well earlier in the year. I'm taking the Patriots this is really a get right game you're facing a Jaguars team that's really devoid of talent all over. I like the Patriots at home in New England where they do play so well
1: yeah I, what, the reason why Mac Jones has been struggling is. If they get down early or if they're unable to run the ball, teams are starting to stack the box on them. And the Patriots, don't get me wrong, they have a great offensive line playing well, but it's difficult for Mac Jones, you know, when there's pressure being placed on him and good teams can get up to him with a four-man rush. When that running game is not working, when they're down, as you said, in games, he's going to have to make tight throws in the coverage and make quick decisions when under pressure. And that's hard for any NFL quarterback, much less a rookie. You're going to see some mistakes. I don't expect those mistakes this week. Um, You're playing a Jaguars team, as you said, Alex, uh, you put it well, devoid of talent all over. So I want to pick the Patriots, really take care of business at home. Um, And, again, it probably looks like they won't win the AFC East with the way that the Buffalo Bills Bills hold – the current tiebreaker and have the easier schedule moving forward, but the Patriots should they be able to, you know, win these next couple of games, will put themselves in in dominating fashion uh, against the Jaguars. That that will probably is going to be what's expected. The line on that game is sixteen points. Be interesting to see um, if that lines met Alex at home. i would probably say it is. I think the Patriots take care of business here. Stay in the thick of things in the wild card hunt, and potentially play for that five seed if the Colts are able to take care of business, um, without Carson Wentz or even with with Carson Wentz against the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: And we'll see about the Jaguars. Obviously, they're starting to put in interviews. Actually, today they're set to interview Doug Peterson for their head coaching job. So obviously, their focus is more on next year and putting the right people in place in those crucial leadership roles. Which it should be. So now we go to Tom Brady's new team, before talking about his former team, now his new team as he faces his old friend, the New York Jets. Going back to MetLife Stadium, facing the Jets, a team that he's had pretty good numbers against, pretty solid success, if I would say so, against the Jets over the course of his career. As we saw, there were no Fournette, no Evans, no Godwin, no David. They still dominated the Panthers, and I think the Panthers, although it's close, I might give them the edge on the Jets. The Bucs should take care of business. I think they don't need all their weapons, and Tony Brown had 10 catches for, I believe, 101 yards. His route running looked crisp. The ankle looked great. Brady showed that he didn't need you know all of his weapons, to still, you know, be effective, be efficient. This offensive line is healthy. The defense, we'll see Pierre Paul Pierre Paul's been banged up. Levante David's injured. Shaq Barrett now is an M I believe an MCL injury. So that's definitely something to monitor. He'll be out this week. But again, you're facing a Jets team that You know, like the Jaguars is, you know, devoid of talent at a lot of areas. I think it was somewhat encouraging. You know, Zach Wilson played a solid game last week against Jacksonville. I definitely think this will be a solid test for Zach Wilson, a guy the Jets are still evaluating, seeing is he the guy, he'll be the guy for next year, but just in the long term, can he be the franchise guy the Jets have really been looking for for what feels like over a decade, really. So I think I'll be interested to see how Zach Wilson performs against a tough test. Although Tampa's defense is not what it typically is, but again I think I think Bucks even with no Levante or excuse me even with no even Levante no Levante David no Shaq Barrett I still I still think they'll be able to get pressure on Wilson force turnovers and again you're facing a secondary that's really struggled this season. I think Brady even with no Evans even with no Godwin is going to be able to put up. You know his typical numbers and have a really efficient and effective day against the Jets. Even though I don't think that I don't think the fact that the game's at MetLife Stadium matters much.
1: We're talking about Tom Brady against the Jets, Alex. This is like a home game for him. If we're thinking about it, I mean he's played so many games in that stadium and had so many dominant performances in that stadium. I wouldn't be too worried about it. And also speaking of head coaching candidates, the Bill Jaguars have requested to interview. Both the coordinators on Bruce Arian's staff, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and defensive coordinator Todd Balls, and offensive coordinator, uh, Byron Leftwich, both, I think, are great candidates, especially Leftwich.
0: He, um, he was the quarterback of the Jaguars uh, not too long ago.
1: Exactly. Uh, I think they both done great jobs this season, especially you know Leftwich. I realize that defense has been injured and cooled down a little bit for Tampa this year, but that offense, I know they have talent, but... They've, they've been uh, piping hot, and even when they had Jameis Winston, that offense was the strength of this team. I like I like Leftwich to get a head coaching job this season, and I think for good uh, for good reason.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I think right now it seems like the favorite might be Leftwich or Peterson, so that's definitely a situation to monitor. So, so we're essentially both taking Tampa. We think they're gonna take care of business on the road against the Jets, and uh, kind of. Get the, I mean, they already clinched their division, so they're not really playing for much. Uh, although, I think they're still in contention for that one seed. I was looking like that'll go to either Green Bay or Dallas. So, shy NFC East, Philadelphia Eagles on the brink of a playoff berth. I think a lot of people were down on the Eagles this year. I didn't hate them coming into the year. I didn't think they make the playoffs. But ever since those first few weeks where... For some reason, Nick Sirianni just did not want to run the ball. He finally gave in, and ever since, they've really taken off.
1: This Eagles offensive line looks like it's getting a little bit
0: healthy, Alex. Healthy, and I think they're also just tailoring to their strengths of being just a really good run team, a running team that wins in the trenches. I think they're just tailoring their offense to their strengths, something for some reason they didn't really do the first five, six weeks of the season.
1: Well, this offensive line is very talented when healthy. You see, you know guys like Jason Kelsey; they're getting behind him and pulling him. He's 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 been great for them. Obviously, Miles Sanders running the ball well, and Jalen Hurts doing what he needs to do. I'm going to pick the Eagles here to go on the road and beat Washington. People are going to basically, you know, really talk down talk down Washington because of that loss to Dallas, and I think it happens. Um, but the reality is Eagles have something to play for this week. Washington doesn't. They're playing better football. and I think it's going to show on Sunday.
0: Well, Washington actually is technically not eliminated yet. They're still in playoff contention. It's unlikely, as I said, at 6-9. and nine.
1: They're virtually
0: eliminated. Right. They're not mathematically, but it would, it would take a miracle for Washington to somehow squeak into the playoff picture. I'm also going to take the Philadelphia Eagles. This Washington front seven has been a little, has just really been disappointing. And although they should be solid against the run, I think the way the Philly, that Philly runs the ball in different ways, unconventional ways, still keeps opposing defenses off balance just because of how many ways they can run the ball. Miles Sanders, I believe, does have a broken bone in his hands, so we'll see if he can play. Either way, they do have guys like Boston Scott, Jordan Howards, so they can go with a committee approach that can still be somewhat effective. Plus they have Jalen Hurts who is probably one of the most effective running quarterbacks in the NFL, especially with the way Sirianni schemes things up. I think Washington's going to play a really competitive game. I think it's going I think they're going to be able to go toe to toe with Philly, but I'm just going to pick the hotter team and that's the Eagles. The way they're playing, they're really on a roll right now. They're taking care of business against the teams they should win. They're putting up points at a high level. You look at they're getting kinda of different guys involved. Seems like Devontae Smith is playing better and better every week. Goddard is getting more looks as well. So I'm just gonna go with a hotter team, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles, to really put themselves in the playoff picture for good and really get that seventh seventh seed and potentially the way things trend. They can even get up to the sixth seed in the NFC. So now let's go or now let's kind of stay in the DC Maryland area shy. The Los Angeles Rams taking on the Baltimore Ravens as people are picking the Rams. It seems like everyone's picking the Rams, and for good reason. I think you look at Will Lamar play, you look at all the injuries that Baltimore has in their secondary, and the way Joe Burrow tore them up. I do think the Ravens are going to give the Rams a run for their money. I don't think it's going to be as lopsided as many people think it could be. I do think also... A big reason why is I think Lamar Jackson does make his return. He does seem a bit hobbled, but I think he was seen on the practice field, so that is a step in the right direction. With that being said, I am going to go with the Rams. The secondary is still a problem with the Ravens, with obviously no Marcus Peters, who tore his ACL back in the offseason. Marlon Humphrey obviously missing the rest of the season after getting injured earlier. Uh, in in earlier this past regular season. So the Ravens still have all those weaknesses in their secondary with all those injuries. And I just think the Rams, they're playing, you know, not great football. Matthew Stafford definitely struggled against the Vikings. But you look at what Cooper Cup's been able to do, you look at what Odell Beckham Jr. has been kind of getting more accustomed to in that new Rams offense. And I think they're just gonna make life really difficult on that Ravens secondary and just put up points where even if Lamar plays We don't know how healthy he'll be, and we don't know what type of Lamar Jackson you'll be getting. Plus, he'll be having to run away from Aaron Donald, which is a scary sight for a healthy quarterback, let alone a hobbled one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Ravens do keep this close. It's never a hard, it's always a hard trip to make, West Coast, to East Coast. It always feels like we're talking about in the opposite light. But yeah, Baltimore's a tough place to play, especially if you're coming from LA, which the Rams are. I think what this comes down to, I think Lamar makes it close, but I think it comes down to all the injuries they've had in the secondary. There's a reason why Joe Burrow threw for over 500 yards against them. Confidently at that. I think I'm going to take the Rams here, but i in in, in a close one uh, in Baltimore.
0: So now let's move. AFC West, Denver Broncos taking on the Los Angeles Chargers, a Chargers team that had a really embarrassing effort against the Houston Texans. I mean, Texans, no Justin, I believe no Britt, no Justin Britt, no Titus Howard, no Brandon Cooks. And to be honest, Davis Mills seemed to outplay Justin Herbert as the Chargers' really poor effort defensively. The offense was solid at times, but they were constantly playing catch-up, which sometimes can favor uh, offensive performers. The Chargers need to get back on track. Like, this is a team that Herbert was my MVP pick. I thought they should have been a lock for the postseason, and I think they're too talented to just be a game over five hundred with the potential to be a five hundred team. I think they're better than a five hundred team. Um, when you look at at least the talent and play, particularly at the quarterback position, but really throughout this roster, I feel like just throughout the year they've just had really poor performances at times. They've underperformed. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they will bounce back facing Drew Locke, facing a Denver team that. At times, they've shown to be fundamentally sound, but they do struggle to put up points. I know you you could say they're facing the right team in the Chargers, but I just don't see how Drew Locke and company are going to be able to keep up with Justin Herbert because I do think this Chargers offense gets a lead, plays in front, and is able to move the ball at, at a consistent rate.
1: I think if we're talking about Teddy Bridgewater, it's maybe a different story here. Just for that consistency, that leadership that he's shown this season, but I think Drew Locke's been able to make some throws. Um, I think mean, he keeps this game close and might be able to strike with Herbert. Uh, he's got some weapons there in Denver. That Denver defense is far and away played better in the Chargers defense this season. It kept them in games. I think it's going to be close. And I think it likely comes down to a fourth-quarter drive from Justin Herbert. And I think he makes it happen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Denver take this game, but it's in L.A., I think the Chargers Chargers have played better there this season, despite you know them not having the most you know raucous fan base, the uh, most present fan base. But I think that's where Justin Herbert's most comfortable. I think that's where the Chargers play their best football. I think they edge the Broncos in this game.
0: So we talked about those Houston Texans, and now they get set to travel to San Francisco as the Forty ers look to bounce back from a heartbreaking loss to the Tennessee Titans. I'm going with the 49ers here, but I do think this could be a potential trap game. Garoppolo, he's banged up. We'll see what the Niners do at quarterback. Trey Lance played a little this year. Not very impressive from what we've seen, although that was much earlier in the season. I like what I've seen from Davis Mills. I'm not saying he's the long-term answer. I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback, but I think he's shown enough to warrant being the starter for next year. I think I like what I've seen. He goes through his progressions well, and Against the Chargers defense, I know isn't great, but, you know, I mean, they still have some talent on that defense. He was without some of his best offensive linemen and without his number one receiver Brandon Cooks and still put up, what, 34 points on on L.A., something that's very tough to do, especially given his surrounding weapons and just surrounding situation. So, I like what I'm seeing from Davis Mills. I think this could potentially be a trap game for San Francisco. But I think they're going to get the ball hands in their playmakers like they always do. George Kittle, I think, is going to have a bounce-back game. Debo Samuel is one of the hottest receivers right now in the NFL. And as we've seen, I think Trey Lance and the way uh, his athleticism will play a part really, I think, could be fun to watch with the way the Niners have that great offensive line and like to use their running backs as well. So I, I like the 49ers here to to get a win, bounce back. But I do think Houston at times could potentially play maybe more competitively than we thought at least a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I I, am gonna take the Niners here. Um, coming off I think you know a a a big win last week, they played a really nice game I think against Tennessee. Uh, I think I may have misspoke and said that Tennessee won last week. They did not. They lost to San Francisco. Um. They, they, they ran on a steam they, a little bit in the second half and allowed Tennessee to come back. We saw the weaknesses in their secondary, and perhaps Davis Mills can exploit some of them. Um, it seems like he's been inconsistent, I think. But I think of late, you've seen more throws. Wow, that's an NFL throw.
0: Back-to-back then, wins for the Texans.
1: Exactly. Then kind of those boneheaded decisions. And a lot of the decisions are happening because Mills has been under pressure by that kind of iffy offensive line that Houston has. But they, did, they got it done with a banged-up offensive line last, last week. It could happen this week, but I think it's in San Francisco. I think San Francisco is going to run all over them um, and be more physical than, than Houston at the point of attack. And I think that's going to end up with them winning this game
0: um, in decent fashion. So I'm going to pick the Niners to win at home. As am I. I do think they're just overall the better team. So now Cardinals taking on the Cowboys, a matchup that a few weeks ago I think would have been, I mean, hugely, uh, you know, obviously so much excitement and expectations, and those expectations are still on, on this game, but with the way these two teams are playing, Dallas should win this game, and I'm not saying they should win it easily, but the Cardinals need to find something they can build on. I mean, there are right now no bright spots, nothing that at least you can point to and say, well, we have that to build on. The Cardinals look like a wreck right now, as that's really the opposite of what you want to be looking like as you head into the postseason. I think, you know, I know you could point to, I guess, the Cardinals. You know, their defense hasn't been terrible this year. The defense has actually, I think, uh, exceeded expectations. But this offense, which we thought that the Cardinals would have to heavily rely on, it's been mediocre, especially since DeAndre Hopkins went down. I'm going to pick the Cowboys mainly because... I think they're going to be able to put up points. I think they're going to be able to put up a lot of points. And as we've seen the last few weeks, the Cardinals' offense has just been really inconsistent and unable to keep up with good offenses like the Rams, like the Colts. I don't think they'll be able to keep up with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys' offense that looked as explosive as ever last week.
1: I'm so tempted to pick the Cardinals because the Cowboys are hot and they're cocky right now. Kind of pisses me off because I don't like the Cowboys. Um, neither do you, Alex. But
0: I wouldn't say I they're think cocky. I'm to, I
1: wouldn't.
0: Say, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them cocky right now. They're confident, obviously, and they should be.
1: I don't know. They, they're they, winning. was that whole controversy uh, with them, you know, saying that they're going to beat up Washington. They did beat up Washington, and they beat them up again. Um, <laughs> So you you could tell there there, there are things being said. They're, in that they're winning.
0: Room. They're winning games. They're playing well. I don't I don't have a huge problem with that.
1: It irritates me, but I, I think they're still going to win this game. The Cardinals seem to have lost patience offensively in playing the football. That offensive line seems to be playing worse and worse each league. and that defense seems to have lost a lot of his momentum. Um, in the last few games. Uh, I think all signs point to Dallas just jumping in front, and Arizona not being able to claw their way back in it.
0: So now we go divisional matchup: Panthers taking on the Saints. Panthers not obviously not a team that's going to be playing mid to in mid to late January. The Saints they're seven and eight. They're one of the few teams still alive in the playoffs. So I, I'm going to pick the Saints. Uh, I think they're right now. Uh, just a, a better team than the Panthers are, and they're getting not not quite Jameis Winston back, but they are getting Taysom Hill back. Trevor Simeon is back as well. Both those quarterbacks activated off the COVID list. So I'm going with the Saints. But after getting crushed by Philadelphia earlier in the season, it's looking like New Orleans will not be playing in the playoffs. So you know, a decent year for the Saints. First, you know, really first year, no Drew Brees, and then Jameis Winston tearing his ACL. But a t- a tough way to end the season for the Saints. Uh, but I do I do think they get a win against the Panthers, a team that's really spiraling out of control. With yeah, their future seems really murky for Carolina and Matt Rule. Yeah,
1: Carolina's gonna make, have to make tough decisions this offseason, especially regarding their quarterback situation. Well, keep
0: in mind they already picked up Darnold's option, so that's fully guaranteed.
1: That's that's right. Maybe they're likely gonna want to draft a guy considering the way he's played, even if they're grooming him for a year under Sam Darnold. I think the Saints win this game. Uh, they're getting quarterbacks back. Um, that defense, you know, struggled a little bit on Monday night, but I think they're still good enough to shut down whatever, you know, Carolina can throw at them, frankly. They're at home in the Dome. i like New Orleans to take care of business here and uh, put themselves back into that playoff race.
0: Seahawks hosting the Detroit Lions. Again, two teams that I would say are battling for draft position, but again, the Seahawks, they don't have a first-round pick. That first-round pick belongs to the New York Jets. Seattle, a bad loss, tough loss against the Bears last week that officially put their slim playoff hopes to bed. I do think, although it's maybe now it's not really for much, I do think they get a win here, maybe boost some of their confidence, ending on a high note. Uh, with one week to play. But I, I do think the Seahawks in Seattle, January football, it is tough. That's why I was so impressive with what the Bears did because they did go into Seattle and win. We'll see if Jer- – I think Jared Goff will be back this week. We'll see if he is. But even if he is, I don't think the Lions can go into Seattle and win a game in those tough conditions.
1: I think that's right. I I think uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are able to win this game. Uh, it's at home. Uh, tough loss last week I think they get back on track against Detroit who's it's still really struggling to find anything after they won a couple of games I mean they
0: they they were right there again in Atlanta they're playing competitive football and I think you have to like what Dan Campos brought to that team and again I really like the way they've started constructing their offensive line but they are still a couple years away from being you know a prime contender especially with the way that division is ruled by the Green Bay Packers
1: that's right. Uh, I think Russell Wilson, that C- Seattle team does enough. I think it can be close, um, but it is in Seattle. Um, I'm, I'm going to give them the edge. You know, Russell Wilson. I'm always going to give him the edge against a, a two win team, frankly. And uh, I think they get the job done here at home.
0: So now we continue in the NFC North, going now to what some people call the frozen tundra, being Lambeau Field, Sunday night football, Vikings Packers. Vikings hope, kind of holding on to their playoff lives by a thread. I do kind of think those playoff hopes will end this week. I think the Packers get a win, continue to roll towards that number one seed in the NFC. I think ultimately the Packers will finish with the one-only by in the NFC. Again, at home, it was a great game when these two teams played in Minnesota. Vikings squeaked out a win. But again, now having to travel to Green Bay, one of the more toughest and hostile environments to play in, I think it's going to be really tough for Minnesota to get things going offensively. They're coming off a loss where they couldn't really get anything going offensively against the Rams, and I think that trend will continue. We'll see how much Jair Alexander plays for the Green Bay Packers, but getting him back, at least in some capacity, will help guard guy. And if he does play, Obviously, him versus guys like Justin Jefferson will be fun to watch. But I think the Packers, with or without Dyer Alexander, get a win. I just think it's going to be tough for Minnesota to consistently move the ball up and down the field in those tough conditions.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the Packers are able to win here and move another step closer to that one seed. They struggled stopping the run a lot last week. I think it probably won't matter. I think they'll get up early and that defense has made... Uh, that secondary has made lives difficult for opposing quarterbacks. have Making them throw in the tight windows they're been opportunistic. I think it's in Lambeau. It's hard for me to see uh, that Vikings team being able to come out with a strong performance in January now.
0: So now we'll finish off Monday Night Football, a game with huge playoff implications. Cleveland Browns taking on Pittsburgh Steelers, in which Roethlisberger hinted that this could be his final regular season game at Heinz Field. I'm gonna take the Steelers, and I know it's tough to do after their blowout loss to the Chiefs, but you look at how they've played, and I they're just a much better team at home, and it feels like every time they get blown out on the road, they bounce back with a big win at home.
1: You're right. It's been night and day. You've said it, and they always historically perform well on Monday night. Having some of their best performances of the season. They beat Cleveland earlier in this year, in which both teams were depleted injury wise. Um, I think the Steelers are able to get it down into a game. Mike Tomlin wins. That's all the time we have left for today. We'll see you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.